Aloha, beautiful souls. This is Randy, and I want to personally invite you to my free three-day challenge, the Fuck Your Fears Challenge. You know, I remember before I started my coaching business, I had this big dream of creating a massive impact by helping women heal their body image issues and learn to love and accept themselves. But I was stuck in my fear. I had invested over $40,000 in my education. I worked at a job that I was making six figures. And I was so worried that if I went after this dream, I would fail. Like, who am I to chase this dream? What if nobody buys from me? Who's going to want to hire me as a coach? I just had all of these fears that kept me stuck, but at the same time, I had this voice that would not stop coming back up and telling me that this is what I needed to do, that this is what I was called to do. And so I decided to say, fuck my fears, and I went after it anyways, and it was literally the best decision I ever made. And I see this problem all of the time, not just in my own life, but in my clients' lives as well. We are stuck by our fears, and our fears keep us stuck from really going after the things we desire in our lives. But what if it didn't have to be that way? What if there was a way to face your fears so that you could finally achieve the things that you desire in your life and create the impact, influence, and income that you truly desire? Well, that's exactly why I created this free three-day challenge. In this free three-day challenge, you're going to get three days of free coaching from me all about how to identify what your fears are that are keeping you blocked and how you can push past them. So if you're ready to finally go after that big, scary dream, that that dream that makes you kind of want to pee your pants, you know the dream, then sign up for my free three-day challenge. The link is in the show notes, and I can't wait to see you there. Podcast. Today, we talked to Linda Clay. Linda is a business coach and lifestyle strategist who found her life's calling after losing everything later in life. We talk about how she had to let go of someone close to her in her life and the expectations she had for them. We also talk about the importance of self-care and putting yourself first. She gives you practical tools to help you discover your true self. Now let's get into the episode. Hey y'all, it's Randy. There is a trigger warning for this episode. If you are listening to this episode and you feel triggered, please just go ahead and skip forward to the next incredible episode. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to the Uplifting Podcast with your host, Randy and Catherine. This is a space for powerful women to share their story and to be real and raw about the truth of living your life's purpose. Any topic is fair game. We check gossip at the door so we can focus on building community and collaboration. This podcast will help you discover your individual power and give you the tools to live your most uplifted life. So let's find out what's uplifting you today. Welcome. 
Welcome to the Uplifting Podcast. Today we have Linda Clay, and Linda is a business and lifestyle strategist. She helps women wake up to their inner greatness and step into their purpose. So welcome, Linda. Hi, Randy. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, Catherine. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, we're so excited to have you. So we just want to dive right in and really learn more about you and your story and how you became a business coach and lifestyle strategist. Okay, so do you have a glass of, oh, it's too early for you to have a glass of wine, but a cup of coffee, <laughs> it's a long story, but I'll try to condense it. So, you know, I, I really believe in storytelling and I really believe that it's important for people to see that you know, we're all real. We all have problems. We all have struggles. We all have challenges we've faced. And my first challenge was being raised with an alcoholic father. I mean, thankfully, he was not um, abusive or anything like that. But it still has its um, ramifications as a kid. You know, it does. And I read my whole childhood. I hid behind books and um, had my favorite characters and would pretend that they were my family because... Obviously, I can look back now and go, yeah, well, it was because I didn't know how to handle, you know, the family situation, the dynamics. When I was 17, I got pregnant and I was an unwed mother. And this was in the 60s. And that was like, oh, my God, taboo. You just didn't do that. It wasn't acceptable. They either sent you away to an unwed mother's home or sent you to a faraway relative where nobody could see you. And... um my parents being of the depression era age group, um, when everything was done, I gave my child up for adoption. My mom picks me up and it was like, okay, it's done. Just move on. So there was no helping me understand my feelings or what I'd gone through, except for I carried the shame because it was extremely shameful. And I wasn't until I was in my 60s that I realized how that shame has actually shaped my life. Um, and anyway, so I got married a couple of years later. I had a child, then I had another child. And um, we were, I like to say now we were children when we got married because I was only 20. And we grew up together. Wow. And um, because we were just kids, I mean, you know, people got married a lot younger back then. And, you know, fast forward the years, my kids are growing up and everything. And then when my oldest daughter was 14, we discovered that she was addicted to drugs. And um, there was a lot of challenges with that. So that was like my first real, um, real challenge with raising kids. Before then, I worked and everything was fine. And it was like trying to I liken it now to like a death in the family because you have this picture of a child when they're born and you think, oh my God, they're going to be this way. And they've got this whole world in front of them. And then boom, you wake up one day and it's not this scenario you had planted in your head. I think that's real common for people to do. And I had to go through a huge process of grieving and of understanding that this was her problem and I can't fix it. There's no band-aid. If you remember when you're a kid, your mom would always put the band-aid on your owie and everything would be all better and the tears would go away. I couldn't do that with this and I had to let her just do what she needs to do. That path has been a 30-year battle. So she's um, off drugs now, she's, but she's homeless. She's been homeless for quite a few years and that becomes another 
challenge to face because they don't, she doesn't know how to fit in society anymore. I mean, there's, you know, all those things. So um, we dealt with that and everything. And then I got like the job of my life. It was running a bookstore. That was like, oh my God, this is like Christmas every day. I can go in, I can open all these books and look at all the authors I love and all this kind of stuff. It was like five years bliss. And then one day I woke up and my husband was sick. And um, that was the start of my, what I call my WTF year. And so he had two kinds of cancer. He died within four months. Two weeks later, I found my oldest daughter. She tried to commit suicide. And then there were several other things that happened that year. And um, I woke up one day, nine months later, in severe depression and suffering from PTSD. And so, um, you know, I had had this love of my life for 28 years. He was gone. My oldest daughter was still struggling. I became a single parent when he died. Then I became another single parent or actually a single grandparent because I had to raise my granddaughter. And it was like crash. And um, I sat there for a couple of years. I didn't want to be hurt anymore. And I think that's really, there's parts of depression that there's a common thread because even though depression is a negative, it's also a comfort because you know it's warm, it's safe in that cold environment. And uh, I don't know if that makes sense. It's predictable. Yeah, kind of. yeah, yeah. Right. And so, you know, the chitty chatty voices, of course, in your head, they're, uh, they like to tell you, well, see, I told you so, you know, and they make you lose in a sense, your self-esteem, your self-confidence. And so the longer you're in depressed, in a depressed state, the more you're telling, you know, the more you lose your confidence. So I sat there until one day, and I always tell everyone that was the universe had decided that enough was enough. I had always faced all my challenges. I had always moved on and it was time for me to stop in a sense, feeling sorry for myself and to wake up. And what happened was I lost my disability. So I had no income. I applied for social security and of course they denied me. And I had my granddaughter who was five years old about at the time and I was losing my house and I, you know, there's no income. What am I going to do? So it was like, I woke up one day sobbing and oh my god <laughs> and I just went I gotta face it and so that propelled me to contact my family to kind of eat crow and go oop I kind of made some bad decisions here they helped me I started sending out resumes and got a job within two months and so that process took me from the Seattle area to Idaho to a job which I didn't like And then back to my old company way back in New Hampshire. So I drove across country with a five-year-old, started a life there, was working in retail, and it was like the hours were not conducive to being a single parent and trying to raise a child. I work for Barnes & Noble, so on Friday night, she could be there till midnight, you know, and it's like, what do I do with this child? So I decided enough is enough. I have to get out of retail. I can't raise a child again in retail. So I built a treasure map, what I call a treasure map. And I, she had gone to a preschool that was a Waldorf school, and I really liked their philosophy. So I went, I want to be a school administrator. So I took this big, huge piece of paper, and I put Seattle, the Seattle Space Needle on there. I drew it and evergreen trees and ferry boats and put school administrator, Waldorf school, all over this big, huge piece of paper, put it on my counter in the kitchen. 
So I could see it in the morning when I got up, when I got home from work and when I went to bed. Within, I don't know, three months or something, I had saved enough money to hire a, um, a moving van, actually, because <laughs> there was a special deal to come in, pack my stuff and load it. Enough money to live on for a while. I found her a place in a Walder school that um, on a scholarship because I explained I wouldn't have a job and I moved all the way back to Seattle. And so I start taking her to school and then I realized, God, this is a long drive. I don't want to do this every day. And so I said, I'll volunteer. Why not? I'm here anyway. So I start volunteering. Within a month, they hired me part-time. Fast forward a little bit more, they hired me full-time. I ended up being a school administrator. And all because I put that in front of myself every single day. So I was there for five years. I decided I wanted something else. I became a notary and did escrow signings. I was a parish administrator for a while. And then the economy fell out. And it was like my notary signings went up. You know, they were gone. It's like, I can't live on this. So I applied, got hired um, by a retail company in California, moved to California. It's the worst job ever. And then I said, I can't do this job anymore. So I'm going to you know, I applied at an escrow company and I learned to be an escrow assistant, which is not an easy job. And I was 61 when I did that. And so fast forward a couple of years, I got laid off. And to this day, it prompted me, it was a blessing because it triggered several things. One, I started my first online business, which was a virtual assistant business consultancy and um, it also triggered off that I hadn't taken care of myself in, what, 40 years, 40 plus years. I'd always taken care of everybody else. So two things happened. I built the business and I woke up and realized that I didn't know who I was. And so I said, I've got to do something. So I did. I applied for a visa in Portugal. I packed two suitcases, sold everything else. And I went to Portugal for over five months and I lived there. I did some traveling. My sister came over, but the benefit of that was, or the gift really was I learned that um, reconnected with myself. And two, I realized I really hate admin work, but people were asking me for advice and guidance. And I went, Oh, duh. That's what I'd been doing the whole time I was, you know, in management was I guided people. That's what a manager, a good manager should do. And um, so I slowly have rolled over to the coaching side of it. And so that's what brought me here today. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Literally lived like such an incredible life. You you just lived such an incredible life. And, um, I just want to share with you, there was one part of your story that just really resonated with me. And that was, you know, with your oldest daughter and her, you know, being struggling with her addictions and being homeless because my youngest sister, my mom is currently dealing with the same, the same thing. And it's been so hard for my mom to let go Mm-hmm. and to allow her to have her own journey mm-hmm. and go through her own process. And it's kind of getting off topic about what I wanted to talk about, but I'm just, <laughs> it just hit me so hard when you, when you talked about that, because 
you know, I'm currently going through something similar and I'm just wondering if you have any advice or how you, you know, cause you love your daughter, like you want to see, you know, and like you said, it was kind of like a death. Like, was there, how, how did you overcome that? And how were you able to let go and let her really go through her own journey? Yeah, it took me, I mean, I had to do it at, at a point when she was in her teens. I mean, she cleaned up for a while. I mean, I, you know, we went through drug rehab. We did, we did all that stuff. Um, but there was a point when she became an adult and she had had her daughter and then I took over the care of her daughter, um, that a friend of ours who had addiction problems also, um, but was clean, just looked at me and he said, he told me, he said, you have to understand she has her own journey. She's got to hit rock bottom. And until she hits rock bottom, there is absolutely nothing. And that he liked in it to alcohol or drugs become like a lover Mm. so what they what they're doing is they just have to have that next drink or they've got to have that high and all of a sudden that becomes the primary focus in their life and when he told me that it like okay that makes sense it took me on this journey though to finally when I realized that she was zapping me of my energy she was pulling out my positive energy so that I would hang up the phone. I mean, I can feel tears. In my, I could hang up the phone and just go, I can't do this anymore. My stomach was upset. My brain was fried. And I, I, I actually talked to somebody about it. And I finally just said, you know what? I love you so much, the person that you really are. But until you can be clean, I can't have anything to do with you. And so I didn't for several years. When I got back from Portugal, um, she was in the hospital with MRSA. And so that she's been clean since then, but it's still extremely difficult because now I'm dealing with this mental, it's almost an addiction. People that are homeless, even if they're clean, they can't, there's no transition back into society. So every time she tries to go back into society, she can't because she doesn't know how to play by the rules. You know, she doesn't, because she's so used to being in a camp, yeah. you know? I mean, it's this big, huge, vicious, vicious, vicious cycle. Um, but I think as a parent, we don't want to, sometimes when we try to take care of other people, it's because we're codependent. We feel that's what we need to do. You know, we're supposed to fix. But you can't fix something if it's not your own problem. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, so you have to kind of separate yourself from realizing that being codependent is not healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, that you have to step back and let people, and that's a hard lesson as a parent, you know, to sit, stand back. It's actually harder to be a parent of adult children. Yeah. And she, she just turned, my sister just turned 21. And so, you know, we've been struggling with this since she was a teenager and she's been to a rehab and a boarding school and whole thing. And, you know, when you said zapping you of your energy, I mean, that's my mother. And so um, that just really resonated with me, Mm -hmm. but I, I really believe that this is good. If anybody needs to hear this episode, I know one person needs to hear this and your message is definitely um, going to hit home. So um, thank you so much for sharing that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, that's just 
so much, it shows so much about you to be able to, to say that you're worth more than that. You know what I'm saying? Like, know that your life doesn't have to be zapped of that energy just because, you know, someone you gave birth to is not on the journey that you would wish for them. Right. Right. So I was just, the podcast I was on right before this was actually a panel and we were talking about boundaries. So this is just like segueing into another topic and part of self-love, part of loving yourself. And I will be honest here. Most women don't love themselves. Mm-hmm. They haven't been taught how to love themselves because they're taught or conditioned to love everybody else and take care of their garbage. And what about yourself? So the best boundary or the best give you can give yourself is to place boundaries in front of yourself that protect you from energy vampires that put putting limits on, you know what? Enough. I can't, I can't do this anymore which is what I had to do, but it's also placing boundaries you on yourself, you know, saying, Linda, come on, you can't do that. This is enough. Look at how you're feeling, paying attention to your body and saying, you know what? I've got to put a boundary up here. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So what kind of things for self care are you now doing? And cause you had your kind of aha moment and you went down to Portugal. Mm-hmm. What, what did you learn in that experience? Because that's also fascinating. Just kind of picked up and left. That's kind of how I came to Hawaii, honestly. Same thing. I was like, oh, I'm going to go. Yeah. <laughs> what, kind <of> things did you, <laughs> what kind of things did that experience teach you? And what are you now carrying on to maintain that level of self-care? Well, you know, there's been a lot of, um, I spent a lot of time reflecting there because of course I don't speak Portuguese. It's one of the hardest languages to learn. And um so I spent a lot of time, I, half of that time was by myself, you know, so I would take walks, I would look at things, I would travel, I would step outside my comfort zone, I had built um, a wall around myself, which I think a lot of people do, it's a protection thing, you know, you don't, don't cross this boundary kind of thing. So when you put yourself in a situation where it's all new, you're not familiar with culture, you're not familiar with all these things, you are actually pushing yourself past that boundary you've built. So going to a country like Portugal that eats different, it was like the first thing, one of the things was like, oh my God, they don't eat breakfast like we do? You know, it was like, oh, what am I going to eat? You know, because you get so in the habit of doing things. Um, And just, you know, going there and seeing something like a protest march, when I was there, I wrote a blog about it. And it was like, my reaction was the reaction of somebody in the States, like, oh, my God, watch out for guns, and you know, all this kind of stuff. But it was their protests or not, they're very peaceful. You know, Um, so it had it really helped me reconnect with myself and and get past the the masks. I love to talk about masks, because we all through, if you work in corporate America, like I did, you learn to put on a mask. This is how you behave in front of your district manager. This is how you behave in front of the regional manager. This is how you behave in front of your, your staff. And then you go home and you go, okay, this is how I, I, you know, behave in front of my husband. And this is what I do with my children. And all of a sudden you go, who am I? Because you learn to put these masks on. So I learned to let those down. I learned to go, okay, it's okay to be afraid. You know, it is okay to 
go someplace and go, God, this is making me really uncomfortable, you know, and why? Because you're not familiar with it. That's okay. Um, I learned that um, you don't have to be perfect. I just did a Facebook live on this. There is no perfect. You're perfect the way you are, warts and all. It doesn't matter. You know, you just need to show up, you know, and be there. So a lot of things like that came out of there, you know, and really helped me continue this journey. And this is a point that people, you know, I don't know for you, but when I was like turning 21, it was like, oh, man, I'm going to be 21. I'm going to know it all. You know, I'm going to be an adult. And it's like, no, I'm not an adult. I'm still a kid. I still feel in my head at 68 that I'm 21. You know, um, it's a journey. And so we were talking before we started this whole thing about how, you know, the truth isn't out there anymore. The truth is not out there. You hear about, oh, hey, Linda, you can make six figures in two months. And it's like, okay, give me that. Give me that glitter. Let me do it. Let me do it. They don't talk about the five years it took them to get to that point because they're selling a product. It's all about a superficial kind of, you know, product selling. Instead of talking about, you know what, every single day I get up and I start work and I go, God, why am I doing this? That's a human reaction. This is hard work. Everybody told me it was easy to build a business online, but it's not, <laughs> you know, kind of yeah. thing. So, it's Well, and people don't talk about how these external things aren't really the source of happiness, you know, like, I feel like that's not something that we talk about enough. It's like, oh yeah, like get more clients, get more followers, get more, you know, on your ROI and more income. And it's just all about this external. Right. It but is. When, when does that ever bring us happiness, right. you know? And I know for me, as someone who worked in corporate America, had a six figure plus paying job, you know, have a master's degree, all of the external things that are supposed to make me happy. That really never was what made me happy. It was really only discovering my truth and living my truth. But like you said, I had been putting on masks for so long. I didn't even know who I was. Right. So you rediscover who you were and who you are. Well, I think a lot of it had to do, I did a lot of blogs when I was over there. And so I just wrote about my daily life. And being able to sit down and write, that really helped me to um, look back and go, God, Linda, you know, just look at myself in a deeper sense. The other part of all of this, though, is now I can look at it and go, I was actually on this journey from the time my husband died. So because I married so young and we kind of grew up together when he died, it was like, you know, I married at 20. You're not grown up at 20. You, you really don't even know what you want at 20. I don't care what anyone, no you don't, you don't. And so. That's why I think stuff, college is a scam. <laughs> I don't, well, I, you know. I mean, I, I think it's good, but it's like at 18, you're supposed to like pick a career job. It's like, no. you know, and they're, t- they're having ourselves. kids in totally off topic, but they're having kids in sixth grade and some schools. Decide what they, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it's like sixth grade, I was playing with Barbie dolls. What are you talking about? I didn't care what I, you know, I had no concept. But I don't have a college degree. I have the University of Life degree, but I don't have a college degree. I think college is excellent for book learning, but it does not give you adulting 101. 
It does not teach you how to be an adult. It doesn't teach you how do you face a child that's addictive? You know, what do you do with that? How do you face when your husband has cancer at 49 and all of a sudden your whole world is wiped, you know, wiped out? It doesn't teach you those things. It says, in fact, the perfect example of this is my brother, bless his heart, very black and white person. And I'm staying with him till I get the job right. And he goes, he goes, I, Linda, we need to talk. Now, I read that if you lose somebody, it only takes a year to get over them. What's wrong with you? Wow. Now, he was doing coming from a place of, of love. Course, right? you know, he really was. And so I explained to him, I said, okay, that's fine. I said, Carolyn Kenny, it took her five years to get over her mother, but all right. But I said, I had this and this, and I went through this whole list of things that had hit me that year. And he goes, oh, you know. And so I went to counseling after that in that period, and my counselor told me, she said, I can't even believe you're walking because most people would be in bed. You know, and so what I learned from that is that everybody experiences grief differently. Mm-hmm. And grief never goes away. I now, 20 years later, yes, I'm functioning fine. And yes, I'm happy and I'm joyful and I love my life. But I can be driving down in a car and something can hit me just like that. And I can have tears in my eyes going, oh, my God, I miss you. Yeah. You know, it just learn it subsides. It, it kind of goes away, but it's always there. But this whole process of from the time I went to Portugal, well, from my husband's death until the time I went to Portugal until now has really been the thing of looking myself in the mirror and going, God, you're really kind of a badass, you know, (laughs) And, and embracing that, you know what I'm saying? And, but it's, it's like a process. So uh, several months ago, I was like, how do I compete with these millennials? You know? Mm. I'm not a millennial, but they're all on Facebook and they all do these selfies and they all say they're rich and they all have, you know, this kind of stuff. And I go, man, I can't even get the camera right. So I actually did, <laughs> I actually did a post on it because it was like, <laughs> I can't, I don't do selfies. My double chin will show the wrinkles will show the gray hair, you know, and all this stuff. I said, but I have all of this that I can give people. So I don't need to give them a selfie. What I need to give them is support. And that's what I bring. That's the biggest thing too. It sounds like in your whole message today, it's been a lot of just looking into self and finding Mm -hmm. self, but then on top of that, accepting self. Right. So accepting the wrinkles, accepting that you're not a millennial, (laughs) (laughs) accepting that you're, you're not technologically savvy. Like, but not letting those things hold you back from exactly. getting the message out right. that you, like, I really believe you are called here to share with the world because you've been through so many, like you said, your therapist said, like, I can't even believe you're up walking around. Like most people would not have been as emotionally resilient. Right. And so just the fact that you've been through these experiences, I mean, that's why we created this podcast. Right. I believe our stories are not ours to keep to ourselves. You know, they're not our own. Right. We have share them. And so owning that, owning your story, who you are, regardless of 
like not allowing your age to be a limiting factor, right? There's right. so many people who connect with that. Like I've gotten goosebumps so many times, you know, you talking. So it's your age, yeah. it, it's not, it, your message is what is, is powerful and what resonates with people. Yeah. But it's just, you know, um, I see people my age that they're retired and they're just bored and they have nothing to yeah. do. I won't retire. <laughs> I, I, why what's why would and this is probably you've worked randy for corporate america so you know they won't when i was trying to find a job when i got laid off they don't want to hire a baby boomer they didn't want to hire somebody my age why well one there could be medical issues and two there mm-hmm. costs more i can go hire somebody and i understand from the business standpoint i can hire a, a college recruit at half the salary yeah. so it's going to be a cost savings for me right. But what they're missing, the point is an older, more experienced worker will bring something to the table that a young person is not because they don't have the experience. They don't have the trials. They don't know the things that have failed. They just go in there and they're, you know, ready to kick ass, which is fine. But you got to have a combination of both. Absolutely. You know, because I mean, I have all the degrees, like I, I invested over $60,000 in my education. But like you said, Honestly, I believe that me starting my business and doing the work taught me more because I had to figure it out, you know, like, and I had to really learn about myself. Like, I think that taught me more than the six years, seven years I spent, you know, going to university, all the money that I invested, not that I didn't learn valuable lessons, but it's totally different. And I think you're spot on with it that experience is just so invaluable. Yeah. And like, I'll tell, I'll tell when I'm doing stuff in my Facebook group and stuff and I'll be giving them some kind of, you know, training or something. And I'll talk about it a lot. Don't use your computer, Hmm. grab a pencil and a notebook and actually literally write down the things, write down your idea journal. Yes. (laughs) You connect that that act of writing something down physically connects better with your brain. It's a proven fact, you know. And stop trying to multitask. Huh. It doesn't work. Multitask <laughs> makes it harder for your brain because it's yeah. got to shut off on one task, got to turn back on on the next. Then you jump to another one, and then nothing ever really gets done, you know. And I think we were talking about this earlier that this whole um, white noise that we are surrounded, barraged with actually every single day. The internet, you go into a store, everything's just boom, boom, boom. Everything is instant. Our brains aren't made for that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of what's, what you see going on is we're almost like all of us in this constant state of hype and overwhelm because we're just being bombarded with so much right. stuff. Right. You know? Wow. That's crazy. How are we doing? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know. Fascinating. <laughs> I know. So, um, I mean, I know you're doing so much in your career, but is there like a specific problem or area in the world that you feel like you're really called to shed light on? Oh, that's a good question. Um, You know, I would say that it's probably 
and I, and I don't call myself a self, I don't call myself a transformational coach or anything like that, but um, I would say it's helping women to believe that they can do something. Um, I can, I have had, I have one current client and a former client, both of which had very low self-esteem and one of them was, um, has a physical, she was born with some physical disabilities and stuff. And so she was bullied her entire life, but she had this dream. And so she joins my group and then she joined my academy and she now is building a card making business that a year ago, she never would have thought she could do that because she always thought she had a people please, you know, nothing about herself. But so working with me taught her that, no, you can actually set priorities. You can actually say no, you can actually, so she's doing that. And then my, uh, the other one is um, she's always wanted to be a counselor and everybody told her she couldn't. She's taking counseling classes and she's now stepping into making cakes and building a cake making business. And she wants to build courses. And so, but that all came from believing that you could do it. Yeah. You know, it, look at your friends or the, you know, so many people really feel they can't do things. They, they go, there's no way it's not perfect. I just did this <laughs> earlier. It's not perfect. So of course I can't do it. I don't know enough. Yes, you do. And you just do it one step at a time. I'm not an expert in that. I hear that all the time. I'm not an expert in that or right. uh, who am I? Like, what are they, you know, right. who am I to talk about that? Right. Um, so here's yeah. a story that you can tell them is so remember what it was like when you went to kindergarten. This is what I tell my clients. And so you go in there, you're in kindergarten. Oh my God, it's so cool. I'm in school and all this kind of stuff. Right. Oh, and then you see the fourth graders and you go, Wow they get a special lunch and they can get on the monkey boards. I want to be a fourth grader because then I can do all that. Right. Well, you're the fourth grader. You're looking for those kindergarten students because there's always somebody that knows less than you. Always somebody that is not as far along in your path in their path as you are. That's all you need to do. And so if you look at it that way, instead of looking at like, you know, Oh my God, I'll never find clients. No. Yeah, you will. Because there are people out there waiting for you. They are literally waiting for you to show up. And the thing too, it's like you learn along the way. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it is the university of life. You, you're never going to know everything. Nope. Even if you're an expert, there's always more to be learning, whether it's about yourself or your, your industry or whatever it is, right. there's always something more to be learning. And that shouldn't be a barrier to impede your progress on following your dreams. Like you just right. go for it and you, yeah. you will mess up. It's great. It's awesome. Messing up is fantastic. And yeah. then you learn that and then you That's right. On. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I tell people there's no such thing as failure. Wipe it out of your dictionary. I don't want you using it anymore. Mm-hmm. What it is, is it didn't work. What's the lesson I have to learn here? How do I tweak it? How do I change it? And how do I try again? That's exactly. it. Absolutely. Oh my God. We could just keep talking forever. I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, we could keep talking forever, but I think we got to kind of start to wrap up. So I okay. guess what we can ask is, is there any other questions that you would have liked us to have asked you? No, this has been great. This has been a lot of fun. I could just keep talking. <laughs> what a great platform to, t- you know. I, want, I mean, I agree with your mission. People need to tell their stories. Yeah. You know, I've got, to be honest with you, I've got a lot of shit. I haven't even expressed a lot of this stuff. 
But if I don't share it, if I don't tell people, then that one person that needs to hear that story is going to miss out. It's like if you envision this huge, big jigsaw puzzle of life, right? And every single person in the world is a part of that jigsaw puzzle of life. So we, I firmly believe we are all given innate talents and gifts that we're supposed to share. And so if you're not showing up, if you're not you know, offering those out to the world, then you're that missing piece. And do you know, remember putting jigsaw puzzles together? Yeah, I can't find that piece and it's driving you crazy. You don't want to be that missing piece. You want to make sure that your piece is in there. Yeah. That's so powerful. I, I just resonate with that so much. So, you know, our whole mission with this podcast is to give women like actionable steps that they can take you know, because it's one thing just to talk about all of the uplifting things, right? <laughs> I could talk about that all day, but we want to give them actual steps that they can take in their lives right. to uplift themselves. So if you could give our listeners three things that they could do in their lives today to, so that they could live more uplifted, what would be your three things? Okay, so the first off is I would have them sit down and journal the question, what is it I really want? And I would have them ask themselves that several times. Mm-hmm. Because when we always answer a question like that, we always, it's immediate. It's, oh, yeah, I want money. I want this. I want this. No. Okay, what is it you really want? And then something else will come up and something else will come up. Because deep down in all of us, there's that ch- treasure chest of dreams that we had that we've put away because life gets in the way and you can't do it. So I'd have them do a journal like that. I would have them, um, what else would I have them do? The journal. And then I would have them get an idea journal, and which is just listing out all their ideas. And then I would have them divide them up into short, medium, and long-range goals. And not look at the whole picture. People get overwhelmed with the whole picture. Um, and then I want to have them take the short, medium, and long-range goals and go, okay, this one is short. I can do this. And then you put it on a calendar. And you go, okay, tomorrow I can take care of this. And then you mark it off. And then the next one, you mark it off. That helps to build their self-confidence a lot. And then the other thing, I would have them sit down and write out a list of achievements all the way back to when they were in school, the you know, and they aced that algebra test or the history test that they didn't think they'd pass, and they did. It, every single thing. And then sit there and look at that and read it out loud every single day. Because what we don't understand is that we have a mile-long list of achievements, but we've just forgotten them yeah. because they're everyday kind of things. So if you're a mom and you have three kids – and one's sick, and the other ones are screaming because you're paying too much attention to the one that's sick, and your husband's coming home or your significant other, and you manage to get up, clean the kitchen, and cook dinner, that is a hell of of an achievement, and it should be recognized. So that's what I would have them do. Love it. That's beautiful. I love that everything is very focused on writing things down because it's important, I think, especially to get it out of your head, mm-hmm. whether yes. it's a goal or a fear or whatever, the more it's just ruminating in your head, the more it's just going to magnify and your fears are going to magnify and it's not going to get done because all you're doing is thinking of the reasons you can't do something or right. not or whatever. So the second you put it down, you realize, oh, that's actually really easy. I can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. And it, again, it's, 
it, like you said, it ruminates up here. So the more stuff you have going on here, the less likely you are to do anything because yes. it's just like, I can't break through that. Mm-hmm. Those wheels that are spinning. And the other part of that is that we have our little chitty chatty voices. So those mm-hmm. are our inner voices that tell us we can't. Yeah. You know, so I actually have people that go, I have them do different exercises for that because you have to take control of those voices. And I, they're not voices like, you know, um, schizophrenia or anything like that. Yeah. We all have these, you know, yeah. and it's just our inner voice. Yeah. yeah. It's just saying, and what it is, is really just a protection. So yeah. if you're going to step outside your little comfort zone and stretch yourself, that little voice is going to come up because they're just trying to protect you. They don't want you to get hurt. They don't want you to feel the pain or the stumble or the scraped knees or whatever. So they come up and tell you you can't. So instead, you just take those voices and you write down what they're telling you. There's no way, Linda, you can be a coach. This is what I heard. And then underneath, three times, I wrote, yes, I can because I coached for X amount of years. Yes, I can because I you know, was the sole person that all the teenagers came over for, whatever reasons I put, three reasons why, that's a lie. Yeah. I love that. It, the more you do it, the quieter the voices become. That's so great. Yeah. It's been such a pleasure. Can you, you can you tell our, our listeners and our viewers where they can find you and, you know, get in touch with you? Sure. My, um, I'm on face, I'm on all the social media channels. Facebook business page is Linda M. Clay Biz. I have a Facebook group, um, heartfeltbusiness.life, where I share a lot of life and business tips all the time. I have experts coming in. And, um, yeah, and my website is just www.lindamclay.com. It sounds like you're keeping up with the millennials. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing it. Proud of you. You're on all the things. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your wisdom and experience. Like, uh, oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. This is fun. It's our pleasure. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for sharing a piece of your day with us. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to us on. To continue the conversation, follow Catherine and Randy on social media. Our links are listed in the show notes. We can't wait to share another powerful story with you next week. And until then, stay stay uplifted. uplifted.